morning I'd like for us to begin a new series of messages, and um, I've entitled this series uh, The Path, and it's going to be a study in the book of Proverbs. Now I want to, <clears throat> to make sure that you understand we're not going to go verse by verse through Proverbs and explain the meanings of each one, or we might likely be here for the next millennia. But rather, we're going to take a series of six messages from the book of Proverbs and make some application to our lives um, that, will, that will give us direction uh, throughout our lives, throughout our lifetime. Uh, I'm not sure how much you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, but I know when I go to a movie, I kind of like to know a little bit about that movie before I go to the movie. I want to know what I'm getting myself into. I don't want to think I'm going to a chick flick and find out it's sci-fi whatever. And uh, in fact, I'm not sure if I want to go to a chick flick at all. But uh, uh, so I want to kind of give you a little bit of background about the book of Proverbs that will help you as we go into this uh, to this study. Uh, so I want you to open up to the book of Proverbs and find the first chapter. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1. And the first few verses there in that, uh, in, in, the, in this chapter, are what are called the prologue. The introduction to the story that tells us a little bit about what it is we're going to read. That he has, it says that Solomon wrote these things because he has wisdom and to give wisdom and understanding to others uh, that are following along. Um, in ancient Israel, during this time period, there were three, now this is not exhaustive, but there were primarily three voices through whom God spoke to his people. There were the priests who spoke the law, and they said, Thou shalt, thou shalt not. There were the prophets who delivered the message from God that gave direction, and it gave correction. And then there were the group that were called the sages, the wise men, and they gave counsel and understanding to what it was that God was saying uh, because it's possible for you to have knowledge, to have intelligence, but to not know how to deal with that, what to do with it. I have, in the course of my lifetime, been around folks who were very, very intelligent, but didn't have sometimes the common sense to come in out of the rain. Do you understand what I'm getting at? So it's possible to have intelligence, and intelligence means to know something. But to have wisdom means to know what to do with that knowledge that you have. And that's what Solomon is going to tell us uh, in our study today as well as throughout uh, the book of Proverbs. But, but Solomon wasn't the only one who wrote the book. More about that in a moment. But I want to talk to you for just a moment about Solomon. During the days of Solomon, the son of David, the heir to the throne who took the throne after King David had died, 
Solomon uh, had taken the kingdom of David and had expanded it. If you go over to Second Corinthians or Second Kings chapter four, we will in just a moment. But he talks about how he ruled from the mighty Euphrates River to the border of Egypt, and he and north to south he had. He ruled over several lands, several kingdoms, and they all paid tribute and honor uh, to Solomon. Solomon, in other words, had expanded the political power, the political kingdom, and the influence, the global influence that even David uh, had, uh, had accomplished during his reign. Uh, in fact, in, in Proverbs, or 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, it tells us a little bit about David. I'm sorry, about Solomon. Verses 12, or verses 20 to 28, speak of Solomon's vast wealth. How many, how many horses, for instance, that he had? How many chariots that he had? How many people that rode those horses and chariots? How much food was required one day to service all of the people that were his employees? And, and his household and all of these things. And, and it, it, it speaks of vast, vast wealth just to keep the engine running. Then in verse 29, it tells us a little bit about, about Solomon that's a little more personal. I want to read that uh, to you. First, First Kings chapter 4, verse 29 says that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure. And breadth of mind, that means that he had knowledge about everything like the sands on the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite, Heman, Calcol, and Darda the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. The next verse says that he also spoke 3,000 proverbs. So in other words, the proverbs that he spoke are beyond. This is, this is the Reader's Digest version, the book of Proverbs is, of Solomon's, uh, of Solomon's teaching. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered a, a thousand and five. He spoke of trees from the cedar that's in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Now that's a little bit about the man whose writings we're going to look at in a moment. He's been called, the Bible calls him the wisest man, uh, the wisest man who ever lived. And you may remember when Solomon built the temple and he went in privately with God to pray about that as the building uh, was about to be dedicated. God said to him, Solomon, you tell me anything you want and I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, I want wisdom. And God says, because you have asked for wisdom and not power or, or influence or wealth, but you've asked for wisdom, I will give you wisdom uh, 
that is more than anyone has ever had before. So he has vast knowledge, but he knows what to do with it. Now let me just say this. This is not in the sermon, all right? You know where that comes from? You know where wisdom comes from? It comes, I think, from primarily two sources. It comes from having ears and a heart to listen to understanding that others that have gone before me are able to deliver. Or they come through experience. <clears throat> My dad used to tell me you can learn this the easy way or the hard way. The easy way is this. I've been there and done that. Here's what happens. The hard way is you're just going to have to go through it to learn for yourself. Solomon learned both ways. And he, and today we're going to look at a place where, where Solomon gives his understanding that I believe comes from the experiences of his life. He knew what to do with the circumstance because he'd been through it. So, so Solomon, in the, this list that we just read of things... <coughs> To me, it would be like we we're writing this story today. We'd say that he had a, a master's degree in literature, but he had doctorate degrees in, in uh, zoology and biology and ichthyology and all those different animals that were mentioned in there. He had knowledge. He could talk intelligently on any subject. But greater than that, he knew what to do with that knowledge. Is that enough, enough Ed Candy for you to understand what the person is that we're, that we're going to write? Now Solomon, uh, that we're going to read about, Solomon died. We know this pretty clearly, that he died in the year 931 B.C. So if I, if I understand the way life works, after Solomon died, he didn't write these down. Somebody else may have come along and written them, but he didn't. So all of his proverbs, the things that he spoke, that he taught, took place a, a little bit before, somewhere before 931 B.C. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, Solomon was not the only one who wrote in the book of, 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 uh, of Proverbs. For instance, in chapter 25, we read that there were... Several from verse, from chapters 25 through 29, there were some of the teachings of Solomon that were written down by men of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Now, some that's going to be somewhere about 200 years after Solomon's death, around 700 BC. These people wrote them, and they were included in the book of Proverbs. And then there was. Uh, in chapter 30, um, chapter 30 was written by a man named Agur. I don't know if that's how you say his name or not. Agur, the son of Jacob, and in chapter 31, the proverb, that chapter was written by King Lemuel. So let me let me put that up on a on a chart for you to to follow along with me. Um, chapter 25, verse 1 says that these are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. And then we, we read, the, 
we find that chapter 1 through 24 Solomon writes somewhere before 931 BC. Chapters 25 through 29 written by the men of Hezekiah somewhere around 700 BC. And then Agur, son of Jacob, wrote chapter 30. Chapter 31 was written by King Lemuel. We have no idea who these people are. Okay, we, we, we can take maybe an educated guess, but we don't know exactly who they are, so we can't know exactly when they are written. But that's the book of, of, of Proverbs, and this, this book of Proverbs was included in the Jewish Bible in the books that were called wisdom literature. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. Those were all considered to be wisdom or instruction on what to do with knowledge, what to do with what you know. And so uh, that's kind of a background, a little bit of a background for you to understand, um, to understand what, what it is that we're going to be studying for the next six weeks. Now, is that enough background for you? Because I can stay here all day if you want. But I want to get into the text. So what I want for you to do is I want you to turn back, your Proverbs 1, I want you to turn back in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 7. Just two or three pages back. And we're going to jump in today to what this series is talking about is the path path. Today's lesson, today Solomon is going to teach us about what to do when you come to this. You know what that is? That's the proverbial fork in the road. Remember what Yogi Berra said to do? When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Most of us, as we come to forks in the road, this is not what we think of. This is not what we see. Rather, it's more like this that we, that we have a, a little bit of difficulty. So let me ask you this. Which road of the two roads that are up here should you take? In the story of, of Alice in Wonderland, Alice comes to such a picture as this. And there in a tree nearby is the Cheshire Cat. And so Alice asked the Cheshire Cat, and I'm paraphrasing what their conversation was. But Alice said, I wonder if you can tell me which road I should take. And the Cheshire Cat said, well, that altogether depends. Depends on what, asked Alice. It depends on where you want to go. And Alice said, well, it really doesn't matter. And the Cheshire Cat said, then it really doesn't matter which road you take. But if you want to go somewhere, if you want to get somewhere, it matters which road you take. Throughout life, you will come across circumstances like this where you say, what should I do? I don't know what to do here. Am I right? You have that? It may be in finances. It might be in relationships. It might be in your personal life. Whatever it may be, you're going to have time after time after time where you're going to come in a fork in the road. And you have to know what to do. That's where Proverbs comes in for you, friends. So here's what I want to do. I want to do two, 
two, I want to kind of reverse this sermon today. And I want to give you some, some application in the two points before we read the text, okay? Usually I read the text, we discuss the text, and then I'll give you a text, and then I'll give you uh, two or three points or applications. Well, today we're going to do the applications first. And then we're going to read it, and then I'm going to come back and ask a couple of questions about that for you. The, so the, there, are two, there are two things that I want you to know. We're st remember, our study is on the path. The first one is this. The first lesson you need to learn is that the path that you are on will take you wherever that path leads, leads. Now, I don't know whether you know it or not, but that's pretty profound. Especially when we're talking about going through navigating life because we try can I be can we be honest this morning we're in church we try several different paths and about halfway down them we start to say something like uh-oh this can't be right am I right do you have things like that or is every path just like walking down amongst the tulips it's real easy. There's a neon light that said, go this way and this is where you live. That's not the way life usually works. And we put ourselves on paths that we, that because we're searching to go a certain place, but that path may not go there. Okay, do you, under, do you get this? If you understand me, do this. Okay, for instance, let me give you a for instance. Let's suppose that I go out north of town here a little ways and I get on I-35 and I want to just stay on I-35. Do you know what will happen? Eventually I'll end up in Canada. Can't cross the border right now, but eventually I'll end up in Canada. You know why? Because that's where I-35 North goes from here. I can't get on I-35 North and stay on I-35 North and expect to end up in St. Louis. Because it don't go that direction. Do you follow? It matters then what road you take because that road can only take you wherever that road's going. Therefore, what, this, what that's saying is as you choose paths in your life, it matters what choices you make. And there are a lot of things that don't seem to matter. There are a lot of things that we think are disconnected from every other area of my life. Usually those things are encountered on Friday night somewhere or Saturday night somewhere or watching the ball game or out with my friends or something like that. And the choices that I make and that I take at that time, we think don't have a thing to do with what I'm doing on Sunday morning at church, but they're all connected. Are you following me? So it matters the path that you are on because the path that you're on can only take you where that path is going. That's point number one. Let me give you point number two. And this is the one that I really want to develop uh, today. And that is, we've already talked about being on the right path. The direction that you walk on that path will determine where you end up. Get that? I'm going to leave that up there for a moment. Because it's just as possible for me to go out outside of town, south and west a little bit, and I can hit I-35 again, south. And if I get on I-35 south, 
I will not come to Canada unless I drive for a long, 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 long way all the way around. Okay? You know why? Because I-35 South doesn't go that direction. It goes the other direction. So just being on the right path is important, but you've also got to be headed in the right direction. The direction that you are headed, here's the point, and you see it up there, the direction that you're headed once you're on the path determines where you end up. If you want, here's the way Jesus put it. Jesus said that wide is the path. Easy is the road that leads to destruction. And many choose that road. But narrow is the way. Hard and arduous is the path that leads to life. And few there are that find it. That's exactly what he's saying. If you get on the path, but you're going the wrong direction, you know where you're going to end up? In the wrong place. So we want to develop this idea this morning about the direction that you take on your path will determine where you end up. And so I've, uh, the title of this message this morning is Direction Determines Destination. I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's very profound. Because all of us want to end up in the right place, don't we? In your relationships with people, in your relationship with God, don't you want to end up in the right place? It matters what path you take, and it matters what direction you go on that path. Okay, now that, that's the point for the message. Let's read it in action. From Proverbs Chapter 7, beginning at verse 6, Solomon is going to speak from experience. Look what he says. It says that I looked out the window of my house and I looked through my lattice, some versions say my curtains, but I looked out the window of my house through the lattice. And I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. He lacked judgment. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. You feel from this already something's going to happen, don't you? Something bad is up. Something that you don't want to have happen is going to happen. Verse 9 says that in the twilight, he, he passed by her house near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. Sometimes we hear about <clears throat> sports stars or famous people getting themselves in trouble in some nightclub or some bar at 3 a.m. This is not always a principle. There are some good things that happen overnight, but nothing ever happens that's good in a bar at 3 a.m. Okay? So why would you go there and put yourself in that if you know that nothing's going to happen? Well, that's what happens here. This young man, this simple man, he, um, he walks down the street to this lady's house at night in the darkness. 
Verse 10 says, Behold, the woman meets him. She's dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She's loud and she's wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now they're in the street, now in the market. And at every corner, she lies in wait. Solomon is telling us this story that he learned the hard way. He could have learned it the easy way because his dad and mom could have told him what happened with them. And his older brother who had died as an infant because of the actions that, Saul, uh, that David and Bathsheba took. But he also had some experience with immorality of his own. The Bible tells us that Solomon had 300 wives and 700 concubines. I call them a sort of wives. That's a thousand. That's way more than you need, guys. For me, it's about 999 more than you need. <clears throat> and it, 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 you've, got, you've got to be careful because he had been around the block. He had met a lot of people and he had married many of them. And he learned some of the things and some of the relationships you nurture along the way come back and bite you. So be careful. So he sees that this woman is just lying in wait. Now look what she does. Verse 13. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices. I've been to the temple today. Today I've paid my vows. I've got everything right with God. <clears throat> I had a sin bucket. And I took that bucket to the temple and I offered sacrifice. I got an empty bucket. What she was saying there was, I got a bucket that I'm going to fill up with you. He doesn't understand that because he might have intelligence, but he ain't got smarts. He doesn't have wisdom. And he, she goes on and says to him in verse 15, Now I've come out to meet you and to seek you eagerly, and I found you. I have spread my couch with coverings. If it wasn't, if, if this wasn't uh, the man's, the young man's, as he would say, luckiest day ever, wait till a look at what she tells him next. I've spread my couch with coverings. My couch referring to my bed. Colored linens from Egyptian linens. The finest cotton that's there. And, 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 he, and she says, so come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. He thought, he might have thought, this is just too good to be true, but what if her husband catches us? Look at the next verse. My husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey and he took a bag of money with him and he won't be back until the full moon. Verse 21 says, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. And all at once, he follows her. 
Solomon knows what this means. He's looking out the window of his house. And what he, the, the, <clears throat> the young man must think to himself, I'm a rock star. Couldn't get any better than this. And Solomon is thinking about the music to the to Jaws. You know? And this is not a good thing. You know why he says so? Because he says he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Or as a stag or a deer is caught fast until an arrow pierces its liver. Or as a bird that rushes into a snare. He doesn't know that it will cost him his life. Wow, what a story Solomon tells. Do you get the picture that he's saying? And listen, in this case, he's talking about sexual immorality. Okay, we, we can all understand that. <clears throat> But what he's also talking about here is about every area in your life. Relationships involve choices, and choices matter, and what you choose to do affects relationships, or finances, or whatever, whatever it is. There are things in life that we will encounter that, uh, where your choices make a difference. And so he, he makes this point. He wants to apply it now. And in verse 24, he says, Now, sons, listen to me. <clears throat> now, if he's somebody that you have great respect for, which we should because he's a sage, he's been around the block, he's, sometimes the young and the simple may not have that kind of respect. But there are, there are people that I know and I can think of and are running through the their pictures are running through my mind of that when they speak, I want to listen because they know what they're talking about. There are a lot of people in the world, by the way, who think of Solomon, who think that they know everything, but there are a handful who really do. And you want to learn to listen to them. So he says, sons, listen to me. <clears throat> Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Because I'm going to tell you something that you don't get with having knowledge. I'm going to tell you something that you get from having wisdom. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't stray into her path. She wants to get you off the path you know you should be on. And she uses every trick in the books to get you off that. And because we're not wise, we end up over there where we, some, somewhere down the road, that night, a week later, a month later, a year later, whatever it is, you say, what happened? What am I doing here? Ever been there? Had one of those moments where you, where you thought, this is not where I, what I intended. This is not what I thought that indulgence would lead me to. I thought it would make me numb my feelings or make me feel better or see the world differently but now all it is is just empty and destructive and controlling and so he, he says he says uh, to, to the people that are listen don't go down her path many victim has she laid low 
and all her slain are a mighty throng. You're not the first one that this woman has sold this bill of goods to. Did you notice earlier we read, today she's at home, but other times she's been in the marketplace or she's been out on the street. She's been, she peddles her wares everywhere she can get. And this sly, seductive woman was trying to lure him off the path that he should be on. She knows what she's doing. And she can spot a patsy a mile away. Because he's simple. It's, it's, the, it's the law of, natural, uh, of the natural kingdoms. Lions on the hunt for prey are able to figure out which of the herd is just arrogant enough or stupid enough or lame enough to get away from the rest of the pack. And now we can zero in on that one. That's what this woman's doing. She knew who would fall. And so there have been many, many that have followed, followed uh, her. Her house, he says, is the way to Sheol. That's the grave, to emptiness. Down to the chambers of death. <clears throat> now, I understand that this is not necessarily a pick-me-up story, okay? But this is life. This is real. This is truth. This is where you and I live. Some of you have been down this road in some area of your life, and you can attest I learned the hard way. Listen to him, because what he's telling you is the way that you can end up where you're headed by taking the right path and going the right direction on that path and not being turned to these little side paths. When you, when you go hiking in the woods, if you, do, if you go hiking in the woods, as you go along every now and then you'll see a little trail that varies off that path. It's okay to take those trails. It probably leads to some beautiful waterfall or something like that. But you better remember where you've been because you're going to have to get back on that path. But there are some trails that are not necessarily so nice. So it's best for you, especially when it comes to these major issues of your life, to stay on that straight, narrow path. And make sure you're going the right direction on that path. <clears throat> well, I told you that I wanted to give you uh, I wanted to give you the points first and hopefully the, the text that supported the two points that I wanted to make. If the path can only take you where the path is going and it matters once you're on that path which direction you're headed in and that will determine your destination where you end up. So let me ask you, I want to ask you a couple of questions about that today. Because just having this knowledge or just hearing the, this story and saying, hmm, maybe I ought to start thinking about this stuff. That's not enough. You're going to have to start thinking about this stuff. You have to put it into action. You may not believe this to be true, but for me, a whole lot more important than telling you what for me, telling you what a text 
means or what a word means is that you that you receive it and that you apply it. Because if you don't apply the things that you learn and hear and the experiences that you have, apply the wisdom to them, you're just wasting your time. Okay? This is just pre-game warm-up. But if you are willing to apply these things, these principles to your life, it will change where you end up. So let me ask you these two questions that have to do with the two points that I uh, that I mentioned uh, earlier. <clears throat> the first question is this. Have you chosen to walk on the right path? Are you on the path, that narrow, arduous, hard path of following Jesus? <clears throat> Because if you want to end up where Jesus is, you're going to have to go the direction that he's walking. You get that? And so the question is, are you on that path? Not do you intend to be on that path, but are you on the path? You see, my illustration about going to Canada, I could have all along intended to go to Mexico. And pack my sunglasses and my sunscreen and my swimsuit and all those things. But gone the wrong direction and ended up on the wrong path. And ended up in Canada. It, the fact that I intended to, do, to go this way isn't what's important. It's the direction that I went that matters. Do you understand that? <clears throat> so have you chosen to walk on the right path? How do you know what's the right path? Well, we're going to get into that next Sunday. How to how to know how to know if you're on the right path and what to do if you're on the wrong one. How to get out of it. How to get off that path. But I'm, I will tell you that um, <clears throat> that some of the things that you can do to make sure you're on the right path are these: ask people, put yourself in the presence. <clears throat> of people who have wisdom, people who care about you in the direction that you're going, and who love you enough to tell you the truth. <clears throat> That's why a small group, a Sunday school class, something like that is so important. But it's not just important so that you can get more knowledge about the Bible. It's so that you can have this support system around you who will say, you know, you're doing this, and I, I, I want you to be real careful because this is where it could end up. <clears throat> Very few classes do that. Everyone should. So it's important that you surround yourself with people who can, who can tell you the truth and, and whom you respect and people who will confront you. Read God's word. There is nothing more important in your life that you do on a daily basis than reading the Word of God because it will direct your feet on the right paths. Read Psalms 119 sometime. Hide God's Word in your heart so that you won't sin. Understand that God orders your steps and the path that you're on. His Word will guide you along the way. This is 
this is so important that you do um, in making in making uh, decisions. Let me ask you the second question. Second question is this: What direction? On, if you're on that path, what direction on that path are you headed? I know that this is the way I ought to live. This is the direction I ought to go, but I'm going the other direction. I've tried this church stuff. I've tried this Christianity, and it's just not my cup of tea. You know what I would suggest to you? Make it your cup of tea. The Bible tells you not to forsake being together with each other. Why? Because preachers love to be able to boast at conventions about how big their churches are. Well, that may be true. But God wants you to be in his house with others because iron sharpens iron. Because people can help you and, and say, I've been down that path, here's where you end up. That can save an awful lot of money, heartache, time, fill in the blank. Learning to live to, uh, with other people around you, helping you. What direction are you headed in your pathway. Are you going the right way? Hey, listen. I can't tell you that. I can see when you're when you're all and you seem to be headed the wrong way, but this is something that you have to deal with yourself. This is something that you have to get before God and say, God, I want to end up to be like Jesus, but I'm doing this and this and this. You know what God will tell you to do? Stop it. Stop doing those things. You can't end up like Jesus if you're living like the devil. And so, being God's word, ask God, let God put people around you that will help you in all those things that you do. Understand, it matters what path you're on, and it matters the direction that you're going. I want to, I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. Stand right now. And I want us to read a, a, uh, a commitment together. A prayer together. And I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. One, read the book of Proverbs every day during this study. Not the whole thing. What I do is today's the 24th. So I read the 24th chapter of the book of Proverbs. Tomorrow's the 25th, I read the 25th. If you do that, within a month, you will have read through the entire book of Proverbs. And by then, if you do that, you will have developed a habit. It's a habit that I just kept throughout most of my adult life. Spend time uh, reading the, 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 uh, uh, the parable or the uh, Proverbs. And then secondly, come. Be a part of this study or watch us every week uh, as we uh, telecast our services. But get this wisdom. But make this commitment. And I want to put the words up there and I'm going to ask that we read it together aloud today. Every decision I make is a new fork in the road. Every decision I make takes me down a new path. Lord, help me to choose 
the right path. Learn that, that statement there and pray it every day. God, today I'm going to encounter some stuff I haven't encountered before. Show me which path I should stay on and help me to know what to choose. I want you to bow your head with me if you will. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of, of study your word and allowing your word to teach our hearts hard truths about the choices we make. Father, it is our desire that each one of us have to be on the right path and to be headed the right direction on that path. But Lord, we lack wisdom. Sometimes we even lack understanding. So today, Father, we choose to make a commitment for your Holy Spirit to guide us on that path. And if there's anyone here who has not made a commitment of their life to Jesus, help them to understand no matter their intentions or their good nature, they're not on the right path until Jesus becomes Savior and Lord of their life. So in these next few moments, as we make these commitments to you. Father, I just pray that you will make the, make us, give us understanding of what we should do with what we've heard today. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen.